Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Maybe that was Sonny Bono who died in this. Yeah, I think yeah, he died skiing. He died okay. skiing. Yep. Yeah, he I don't know. Into a tree. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, he died silly. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yo. The reason I remember that is because Red Man turned it into a punchline. Oh, like, shit. Very soon after it happened. Because, you know, he's a big weed smoker. He yeah. said, I hit more trees than Sonny Bono. Fuck. That's really mean. Yeah, that's fucking mean. <laughs> but also, it's a good bar. It's a good line. Good for Red Man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another spectacular episode of My Mama Told Me, the podcast where we dive deep, deep into the world of black conspiracy theories, and we finally work to prove that Ty Dollar Sign is the devil. You can't trust a black man with eyes like a rare Yu-Gi-Oh card. They're too light. They're too light. There's no reason for that giant black man to have them blue evil eyes. He's the devil, and I know it, Ty Dollar Sign. That money symbol can't fool me. You are evil, sir. Uh, I am your host, Langston Kerman. As always, I'm excited to be here. My guest today, oh, we have a great guest today. He's he's hilarious. He's talented. He's exceptional. We were just talking about how good he is on a fucking uh, pad, like a sound pad, and how terrible I am. But that doesn't matter. You know him from The New Negroes on Comedy Central, a wonderful show. You know him from his brand new album, Anime, Trauma, and Divorce. He's an exceptional artist. You're going to love him. Please give it up for my guest, Mr. Open Mike Eagle. Oh, wow. That was probably the best introduction I've had all, all pandemic. Hell yeah. That was great. <laughs> you mean when uh, the period when no one's introducing you to anything? Yeah, I love that. Exactly. <laughs> usually usually the attempts are just they're just sad you know sure they're that just was, like that was good i don't even know if this is his real name i guess his name is <laughs> <Right>. open <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited you're here yeah man let's let's get into it let's hey let's... just real quick i saw yeah. you on tv the other day on the boys and i let oh, out yeah. an, audible, an audible yell like langston oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> it was great they made me get buff for that role, and then I just hey, sat man. there. And you and you really acting too. It's great. It's good Thanks, stuff, man. man. I had to be a, a creepy dude with muscles. It was nice. <laughs> this was a fun time. But we don't have time for that. 
we got to get into this goddamn conspiracy. Yes, right. Because you came to me with one that I guess sort of connects even to the question of a person acting on television. The, Mm. The conspiracy theory you brought was my mama told me. Hollywood has a gay agenda. Talk to me about it. Tell me well, more. Okay, my mama didn't tell me, but every barber I've ever had. I mean, <laughs> Chicago to L.A., different shops. It don't matter. Yeah. They always believe that because they always have something on TV, either the news or BET. Yeah. And, and they are commenting on what's happening. And once anything even slight, I won't say slightly homosexual, but just like. Anything that's not a uh, traditional manly man imagery. Yeah, heteronormative shit. They, that's a better word. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> Once <laughs> anything slightly less than heteronormative happens, then, um, you know, then out comes the, you know, they only want to show us in certain ways <laughs> because, you know, they're trying to emasculate the black man and yeah. have been doing so for 2000 years right yeah it's always and for our our listeners at home who have not yet been privy to the wisdom of a a barber it is always rooted in this conspiracy that by making black men gayer we are somehow undermining the black community that it is like the destruction of the nuclear family as it were and and that Gay images are intentionally reflected back to us in order to make us more gay over time. Yes. Is, is the, the other part of the, the theory. Yes. So we become more gay. And then subsequently, and I know this is always a part of it, is in, it's not always a part that maybe is articulated. It's that we become more gay and then we become weaker because of mm-hmm. that gay. Of that course. Like, oh, no, it's, it's, all, it's all very negative. Uh, yeah. from this perspective. It's, all, it's very they very much believe that hetero is the way to be. Sure. <laughs> and, that, and that anything else is is a programming error and right. it needs to be fought against. That's fair. Yeah, it's never like a good thing. They're not like you'll become more gay and then your apartment's gonna be real clean and uh... <laughs> you smell a little better, you know? None of that. Yeah, they don't they don't see anything but what they consider to be the dark side. You're going to become more gay and then you're going to get some of those sweet abs that all the gay men have. And that's pretty cool. (laughs) I hope you like it. (laughs) No, it's it's a fascinating, I think, conversation, almost like a a checkpoint that every black man goes through in their experience of like you're going to have an an older black dude at some point sell you on this idea. And -hmm. the question really becomes how bought in do you do you want to be to the premise that Hollywood is trying to make you gay? I guess my question for you is how bought in were you the first time you heard this? How much were you believing this to be true? I mean, I've always known a lot of gay people mm-hmm. like and, and I've never um, never been like judgmental or never thought that it was somehow uh, lesser than. So this always sounded ridiculous to me. Right. And the other thing is, I mean, I feel like this conspiracy theory, like most of them, also kind of reflects my brain wants to say education level, but that's not it. It's It's more like how much information like real information somebody has at hand or somebody has consumed yeah it's like it comes from a place of like oh i don't really know what's going on but i'm gonna stay here in this barbershop and and make shit up and then when people come in here saying some shit that sounds interesting i'm just gonna stick with that but i'm not gonna really read anything yeah and i'm not gonna go have other experiences other places i'm just gonna perpetuate this shit because it sounds cool and it makes me feel smarter. Yeah, yeah, I do. And to that point, some of it also feels like a lack of uh, control. Do you know yes. what I mean? That like 100%. You, you don't have control in certain parts of your life because the government and poverty and all the reasons why we often feel like we don't have control. And so subsequently you go, well, where do I have control? And part of that is just making up your own truth. You go like, well, if I can make this true and if I can convince other people that it's true, then I have a power that I otherwise wouldn't have because, you know, I'm broke and I don't know how to fix (laughs) that. (laughs) Right. 
And and it's yeah, you're right because it's it's reflective of of not understanding how systems work. If you don't understand how systems work, then it just looks as if everything is being puppeteered by some force that's just right outside of of your grasp. And yeah. if somebody comes along saying something that checks the box of explaining that somehow, but also aligns with any other beliefs you have, like if you happen to believe uh, somehow that that being gay is also bad, and also you are told that these forces who you can't see are pushing it on you. Well, then that checks a couple of boxes and you're like, right. oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how the world works, you know? Right, and I, I think there are also those weird, to your point, there are those weird affirming moments that make your ideas feel at least somewhat valid that then force you to go even further down that tunnel of your belief, right? Yeah, I got a haircut, um, Right after, uh, it had to be the week that Moonlight won that Oscar. <laughs> that was a bad, bad oh, day in the shit. barbershop, man. That was a bad, bad day. Because I'm sitting there and, and they, they're saying that shit. And I'm just like, yo, that movie's amazing, though. It's, <laughs> it's so good. Like, it's really good. And the whole time that I saw the movie and I'm and I'm reveling and celebrating and its accomplishments. I'm thinking how awesome it is that we have a black gay story with that sort of representation and it's getting that sort of uh, recognition. Yeah. And then I'm in the barbershop and they just think this is the end of the world to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I know I have to believe they were going down the, the train of like, you know, they wasn't even supposed to win. They didn't even yes. call out their name. But yes. somebody got in the earpiece and was like, no, give it to the gay people so we can make the niggas gay. It's like, All whoa. Of All of that. <laughs> you know, it's wild. And then I remember and maybe you similarly have this memory. I think my first sense of this, quote unquote, gay agenda came out of like the conversation about black men in dresses that like mm -hmm. there was that whole theory that anytime they put a black man on TV in a dress, it was sort of like a transition in his career. Right. Uh, Martin Lawrence, the the mm -hmm. you know, the Eddie Murphy's, whoever it was, that they stopped being connected with the black community. And we're suddenly now like Hollywood elites who were being puppeted by the white man. Right. And they were willing to like they were basically showing they were willing to do whatever it takes. Yes. To be, you know, to be rich, to be positioned that way. And then, and it, that was a signal that they were willing to turn away from. Uh, you know, the, the traditional idea of, of black manhood in order to do what the white man thinks is funny, mm -hmm. which those people also think is by self-denigration, you know, right? making fun of yourself to that degree. Right. And I guess I wonder, the question I have for you is how much of that, because I found myself, and this is a better way of framing it, I found myself even as a kid being like, I don't hate gay people. I like gay people. I don't or certainly don't have any, you know, hard feelings in any direction about like them based on the fact that they like kissing somebody of the same sex. But mm -hmm. I also don't want to be a sellout. I don't want to be like a person who like my peers would view that way. So, yeah, sure. I'll never wear a dress. I'll never uh, commit to any of these homo erotic images so that mm -hmm. nobody could ever question my commitment to the the black man and black community and all that stuff right. i think yeah i think and and if you're getting at what i think you're getting at i do think there's that kernel of something that resonates in that um about when you are a black man entering the entertainment industry you do feel especially if you're not doing you know shows with black writers black producers mm -hmm. you know black showrunners you're on guard to make sure that you're not being put in a position that's going to cost you your credibility. Right. And so like, even though you're not bringing a homophobia to it or transphobia to it, you do feel this certain sense of needing to protect your image. And so you're kind of on the lookout for stuff like that. Right. Yeah. You're constantly sort of on edge for right. this thing that even though it's not coming from your own hatred is coming mm -hmm. from someone else's hatred and you're sort yes. of like <laughs> trying to not articulate it but it's coming right. out either way it's, yeah it's a fucked up dance that we find it ourselves is. in <laughs> and that you know like and, and that's the thing you know people 
argue against the idea of privilege. Like that's one of the perfect examples. It's not like privilege means you automatically have it easier. Privilege means there's just certain inner conversations you don't have to have. Mm-hmm. You get to devote that brain power and brain space into yes. something else. Yes. You don't have to worry about like wearing the whole weight of a culture yeah. on your shoulders every time you get an opportunity like that sort of thing. I mean, it's and that's, you know, in some sense, it it is what makes those artists who are able to escape that so groundbreaking. But right. Like like Young Thug wearing a, a fucking, you know, beautiful gown on his album cover Incredible. is a groundbreaking decision, no matter how you want to spin it. But then the danger of that goes back to that same question of like, how much responsibility does he still have? To the community that then judges him or wants him to do something different than the choice that he made. Yeah. I mean, you know, what goes on in mainstream rap now is really interesting on that level Mm -hmm. because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I guess you'd have to say 15 now. It was just unheard of for somebody to be positioned or depicted in any way other than just like the hardest of hard dude. I mean, yeah. you know, in the 90s, you had rappers who were positioned to be a little lighter, like a, a MC Hammer or a Fresh Prince, like mm-hmm. where they weren't uh, super street. But then, you know, after like 2000, it got so homogenized that everybody was really leaning into that. And so if you look at that versus now and how much room mainstream rappers have to express themselves visually all these different ways it's really interesting but it does feed back into that conversation where like the dudes in the barbershop are like wait a minute can i still like this right (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah it's it's i think they're asking themselves can i still like this and the even scarier part is out loud they're definitively going nobody should like this this is it's and you know that's the old head shit where they go like nope I don't fuck with it. That's some new shit. That's these young kids. They are they are the product of the gay agenda that sort of was already at play during mm. the the younger hip hop era or the older rather hip hop era. And now you're just letting the gay agenda live live out its, you know, its worst our worst fears is living out in front of us through an Uzi, through a young thug, through a, a yeah. Frank Ocean, whoever the fuck it is that sort of is kind of just being themselves or at least just doing them yeah it's just really but really reflecting because the interesting thing is too they're reflecting the street culture of now too like the street culture of now isn't super baggy pants and big hoodies or even long Mm -hmm. white tees like it's like fitted clothes and really expensive belts right (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) right it's a it's a different uh vibe in the streets now and of course you know, mainstream rap is going to reflect that, too. But then, you know, I, I do wonder for people who believe that stuff, how do they bridge that? You know, mm-hmm. how do they bridge? I, I guess. But I guess it kind of leads into what you're saying, where like they f- look at it. They look at the tight pants and are like, oh, well, there you go. Right. Gay agenda. It, it worked. It's checking the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's funny, too, that you mentioned old heads because it makes me think about Lord Jamar. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Brand Nubian, who is like the the mascot. He's like the quintessential old head, and he's one of the main ones that are always using their social media, using their their YouTube, you know, doing DJ Vlad interviews, tearing yeah. down things that seem to, from their perspective, come from that place. But Lord Jamar was on Oz. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, Lord Jamar's <laughs> entire penis was out when he was walking around the jail. And it's right. like, if you wasn't part of the gay agenda then, yeah. how are you so sure that everybody else is now? You don't think having your dick meat out on HBO <laughs> tempted? Temp- if if you, the presumption is that literally seeing dicks, seeing anything that is homoerotic is going to tempt me into homosexuality, you having your dick meat out had to do something for me. It had to have <laughs> moved it- me in some direction. And right, and on the same episode, there's you know all sorts of stuff <laughs> was yeah. happening, you know, with 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 men on men um, touching. So yeah. you know, it's 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 just it's always struck me as hilarious that he's out there finger waving against people doing the the slightest bit of you know 
gender expression. Yeah. And he was on he was on the gayest show on television at that time. Right. And I will say there's a there's another layer of irony in going on a Vlad TV to mm. to complain about the gay agenda when you're talking to a white dude who is essentially like appropriating black culture and hip hop culture for his own benefit. Like you're complaining to, in theory, the oppressor. Uh, right. while about his oppression, about what you're seeing as like uh, something oppressive in your community. Right. And using his platform to do it when he don't give a damn about what happens to none of us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's not invested in the beef right. that Nick Cannon started. He's just going to get Nick Cannon to say whatever the fuck he can. Mm -hmm. I, I, I guess one of the parts that always fascinated me with this is I do 100% believe that there's I, I don't believe in any way, shape or form that there is, in fact, a quote unquote gay agenda, right? That we are by showing us gay imagery or, or homoerotic imagery, we are somehow being tempted towards becoming gay people. That's not how that works. But I do wonder how much you believe about Hollywood undermining black celebrities like how much of it do you buy in in that way even if it isn't rooted in sort of like gayness if you will well you know i i, I tend to push back against that kind of argument because i look at hollywood for the most part like a giant conglomeration of different corporations mm -hmm. and at the end of the day they want to do what makes money right uh you know like if you're if you're Warner Brothers, Universal, Paramount, whatever, whatever company it is, the end of the day, like if you're a high, high level exec, you're trying to keep your job, you're trying to get your bonus, uh, you're trying to show that quarter earning, whatever it mm -hmm. is that has to happen. Like, are you really going to take the time out of your day to knock down an entertainer or somebody who could be making you money just because they're black? Right. Like, I don't I don't. I, like I, I think in the past that definitely could have been the case in some sure. sense, just out of like personal feelings that people have about other other races and other cultures. But it's like now, I just I I can't see, I can't see them taking the time out. I can't see them putting the energy into doing that kind of thing. When at the end of the day, they're always trying to do whatever it takes to to make one more one penny more than the next man. Yeah, I think to your point. It probably it's very likely that there are individuals in all industries who are like, I don't want niggas reading around me. That makes mm -hmm. me angry. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that these motherfuckers don't be reading. But in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, that doesn't mean that the industry as a whole, like had a meeting and agreed right. on that. It just means that one dude has a passion for making sure black people don't read and he's right. going to do his best to, to work that out however he can. Even if that means putting a dude in a dress and then making him not read, then it's <laughs> double effective. <laughs> Put that dress on, close that book, motherfucker. We've got work to do. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Open Mike Eagle and more My Mama Told Me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You could do anything. Yeah, we're back here with more open mic eagle and more. My mama told me. Hey, who does your intro? Who does your who did the intro? Oh, it's this amazing uh, dude. He's a comedian. He's an artist. Uh, much like you, he has more talents than uh, I care for. I, I get very <laughs> angry at you, sort of like multi hyphenate people. But his name is Nick Chambers. He's very funny, okay. very talented. Yeah, dude. I got I got Yeah, I got I got to find out more, man. That that intro is brilliant. Oh, thanks, man. No, he, yeah, man. he's fucking, he's the best. I gave him, like, very little information. I was like, hey, I need an intro song, and here are five words to include in it, <laughs> and he went crazy. So, yeah, it was, nice. he's very dope. Um, And if you guys are listening, follow Nick Chambers. Show him all the love, because he's very talented. Anyway, fuck Nick Chambers. We got to get into <laughs> this research. Nick Chambers could suck my dick. I got research to talk about open mic eagle. <laughs> you're right. You're right. My bad. My bad, G. All right. Uh, I really found myself sort of deep diving into uh, the history of gayness in television and just sort of its presentation. And one of the things that got really interesting for me was the fact that, and I, you know, you don't think about this stuff until you actually have to research it. But the first appearance of a homosexual person, sort of openly homosexual, at least on television, was in 1973 on the Mary oh. Tyler Moore show. Did you know that? Did you know I did anything not, about it? No nah. I, and I'm trying to, I guess I, I never really saw a lot of that show. I, I, I consider myself a TV head and I grew up watching tons of reruns and stuff, but I think, um, I don't think I caught but a few episodes of Mary Tyler Moore, so I'm not sure which which character that was. I watched it a lot. Uh, Nick at Night was my shit yeah, uh, for too. a while. And uh, yeah, I watched the Mary Tyler Moore show, and apparently there was a character in the show who was the brother of one of her friends who then tried to, her friend tried to set her up, set Mary up with this brother. And then it became, it was later revealed that the brother was in fact gay and he was holding mm -hmm. this big secret. And so that was just the arc of an episode. But Whoa. over, so over the course from 1970 to 1980, there were only 12 shows that at any point introduced a gay character. So 12 in an entire decade, right? And then here's where it gets crazy because you compare that to 2010 to 2020 decade, the aughts. Is this the aughts? What, what do you call that? The, the I guess that people call it the aughts. I, I try to avoid talking about it altogether just because that name's so stupid. But Sure. Yeah. You're making people the right choice. The <laughs> but it goes from 12 shows uh, in 1970 to now in 2010, 109 shows that include LGBTQ characters. So there's clearly a, a progression happening here. Right. There's an increase, right? What do you sure. do with that? What do you do with it? You celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you know, what, what you're hoping, because I don't know that, you know, 
of course, I don't know what ratio or percentage that is of the total number of shows it's made, but mm-hmm. you know, you're wanting there to be in like a, a reflection of of the percentages in real life. You know, you want it to be approaching that kind of level. And even if it's more, it's like that's cool too. It's I don't know, it's it's to me that seems only like a good thing. And it seems like the only reason that it wasn't so much before was because everybody thought that that was somehow uh, a negative or everybody was trying to um, avoid dealing with that sort of issue when it's something is real in life. And exactly. And, I know, think that those people, yeah, exactly. Those people should be represented. I think that's exactly right. And, you know, in, in terms of the actual percentage, I did some research on that. GLAD, which is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, does like this tracking every year of the number of gay or lesbian, trans, queer people in broadcast television. And uh, this time, this in 2019, of the 879 regular characters expected to appear in broadcast scripted primetime programming, 90 were identified as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or Mm. queer. And so that's basically 10.2%, which is the highest percentage GLAD has found in the 15 years that it's been reporting all these numbers. Mm. Which is, it, like you said, that's progress. Yeah, but I I guess then my next question would be what what is the reported percentage of, you know, people who identify as gay in society? Uh, and of course, whatever that number is, you'd have to up by some <laughs> percentage anyway, because yeah. not everybody's out. But well, I'm you know. glad you, I'm glad you're saying that because internationally, uh, as it's reported, it's somewhere between 1.2 to 6.8 percent of the population identifies LGBTQ. And to your point, that doesn't account for the massive, massive amounts of people that are not saying anything at fear yeah. of judgment, ridicule, whatever. Yeah, I mean, especially if you if, when you're expanding it globally, I mean, there's some cultures in which it's it can still be lethal to be seen as as gay publicly. So there's no way anybody would ever uh, answer that question honestly in in some cultures. So yeah, you'd have to you'd have to increase that number by some factor. Yeah, it it can't be one point two. There's no fucking way that one point two of the population is gay anywhere. It's got to be more, and y'all got to make peace with that, Nigeria. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) get over yourself, Russia, and let these people start kissing each other. Yeah, let them breathe. One of the more fascinating things that I sort of found in some of the research, I don't know if you remember this, but that new Beauty and the Beast came out three years ago. There was a new Mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast, a live action, quote unquote, Beauty and the Beast, and everybody lost their minds because one of the characters ended up being gay by the end of the movie. The LeFou. Do you remember Mm -hmm. who LeFou is? I don't. Was he like a candlestick or something? I I don't remember. Okay. (laughs) No, but he was the... uh, Gaston, who's a big buff dude who uh, hates the beast and hates yeah. uh, that that old girl wants beauty wants to be with him. Uh, LeFou was his like uh, sidekick, his his main homie who like would run around and sort of big up him at all times. Be like, you okay. are so buff, Gaston. <laughs> I love your Adam's apple. Oh, that delicious Adam's <laughs> apple. And everybody is he's clearly gay. Your feelings for Gaston are clearly being expressed at all times in in everything that he does. And everybody got upset that uh, it turns out they actually made him gay and didn't just like leave him with these feelings smothered underneath. So who's upset? Who's who's mad? Families? Who's mad? Christians? Uh, Yeah, a lot of Christians. There was a drive in theater in Alabama, uh, the the Henniger Theater that uh, basically took to Facebook to say you can feel free to come watch a wholesome wholesome movies without worrying about sex, nudity, homosexuality and foul language. And uh, they refused to play the new Beauty and the Beast, saying that that fell too close to their rules of of engagement. You know what I mean? So the implied bestiality in the movie they're fine with nah they're fine with that perfectly okay (laughs) for the lady to be with the lion man it's all good 
Let that big ass cursed yak stick his weird dick inside of this this beautiful young girl. But don't you dare show them boys kissing each other. I will be furious. Cursed yak. Oh. That's yeah, crazy. it's it's a weird dance that that like I think people are constantly playing. And to your point, it's this weird dance of almost not allowing our imaginations to go. Like it's a movie literally about people turning into to household objects. Right. You let your imagination go that far and then you you cut it off at sexuality. That's right. absurd. I don't know. It's so weird. Because what are you afraid of? Are you afraid to having to talk to your kids about it? Like, what is what is the what is the concern here? I mean, right. and it, it's funny. It's like you said, yeah, like so many other elements of this thing are completely fantastical. Mm-hmm. You know, even the fact, you know, people just break out in the song. Yeah. <laughs> time is weird. It's a weird <laughs> world. You know, and, right. and all of that, all of that's fine. But then this <laughs> this thing that you know happens that real human beings have have feelings for people of the same gender is right. not allowed. I've never once been walking down the street and a bitch just breaks out into rhyme. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, just a full song. I've seen some people freestyle, but not a right. full fucking not three bar, you know, three stanzas song. Right. And strangers are joining in, yeah. you know, doing back and forth and refrains and all of that. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it's not real. So le- even if you are in fact homophobic, right, let's say you truly don't believe that gay people should be getting married or have happiness, whatever it is that helps you sleep at night. The fact that you do that in the middle of a fantasy, you, you <laughs> should just be able to say like, well, this is fantasy, so it's not real and therefore doesn't threaten me. But the, the fact that you can't even dispel it in that just means uh, this is rooted in real hatred and not deep, just... deep hatred, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And it, this uh, actually brought me to what you were bringing up earlier about the issue of Oz. Right. Oz Mm -hmm. came up a lot in sort of this this fear of homophobia or rather fear of queerness. Um, And part of it that they sort of explained in the Oz scenario is that they don't actually consider images like the ones you see in shows like Oz or The Wire to be part of the gay agenda because those men are not consensually being a part of gayness or of queerness, right? That because they're being raped or because they're being they're in the closet or because they're somehow treating gayness as something you should be ashamed of, it isn't working towards the gay agenda. I don't know. I don't know how much Wire them people watched, man, because... <laughs> Omar wasn't ashamed of nothing. Omar used to walk around with his boo and do crimes. They used to do crimes together and then go home and do what they do. They was cool. That's fair. They wouldn't worry about nothing. Omar was whistling, and it wasn't just because he was murdering people. It's because he got some dick. Right. Yeah, no, he was he was fully satisfied, man. So yeah, he I don't, you know, that's 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 a weird kind of cognitive dissonance they talking about there, man. Because I, I feel like that's one of the real brilliant aspects of Omar's character specifically is that mm-hmm. he wasn't ashamed of anything, and he was yeah. he was the the scariest dude on the block. Mm-hmm. But his lifestyle and how he lived it was completely his business, and 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 something he wasn't afraid to wear at all, even though. You know, he's in a situation where he knows that he's surrounded by homophobic people. He was choosing to live his life. And 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 to that point, you're hearing all of like the the language around the way that they talked about Omar. Right. That like, you know, they're using derogatory language, yes. when, you know, referring to him. Yeah. Referring mm-hmm. to him. Right. But their argument, I guess, at its essence is like that that derogatory language protects us from the cell of of homosexuality when in fact to your larger point that's not the big takeaway of the of the wire you're not supposed to watch it and go you know what stringer bell was right this dude (laughs) he he was really nailing it (laughs) oh man yeah marlo speaks for us all right yeah no no, it's not it's not the thing. If so, I mean, why can't these people just say, 
that's a really good show and it's mm-hmm. and it's got gay stuff in it and that's okay <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. this all it's all this thing what they're trying to do is make excuses for shows that they think are good right so they can they can keep watching the show that they think is good and they can have you know reasons that they hide away with to make it okay to excuse it for them but it's so strange to have to jump through all those hoops to engage with a television show where, where something really I mean, and Oz is is, is weird because in, in Oz it was a lot of non-consensual. Uh, it was almost it was used as a weapon and a way to dominate people in a lot of yeah. senses. And I I think there were some genuine relationships uh, in that setting too. But it was also weaponized and was and it was also it was used in a lot of different contexts than just you know normal sexual behavior. But right. you know, I think I think specifically the way they did that in The Wire was 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 beautiful because yeah. Even even in the presentation of it as a real life thing that just happened to be a part of this guy's character, they also didn't go the step of making a huge deal about it like it was some triumphant thing that they were doing. They just mm-hmm. presented it as normal, just like there's heterosexual sex scenes in that show. There's homosexual sex scenes in that show. And they were both yep. kind of like treated equally. Yeah. And neither were trumpeted as some grand accomplishment it was just showing you life in this scenario and sex is part of life if anything i would say that the the heterosexual relationships were more toxic than even Mm -hmm. like the the ones that omar had like if nothing else his relationships were almost the healthiest part of him and then you know his his choices beyond that although fucking cool as shit probably weren't necessarily uh as admirable True. Uh, one of the things that that really got me excited, probably in the wrong ways, but I, I couldn't help but enjoy was I ended up down a uh, YouTube tunnel of like all the like Hotep conspiracy theorists. Oh, who, here we go. Oh, it's fun. Here it's, we go. It, it's a fun time. Probably not in a way that it's supposed to be. But, <laughs> uh, but one of the things that basically a lot of people argue is that there's no way into Hollywood. There's no way into real success in Hollywood without committing to sell your soul uh, through some version of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's if I'm understanding correctly, then that's also kind of points back to the dress thing. Right. Like, yeah, that you make you you choose the dress and you have to choose the dress or else you won't have a career. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, and OK. And, and this is I'm going to tell you, this gets hairy for me, because when you asked me this question earlier, what my mind went was to how at the end of the day, all the corporations just want to make money. Right. Yeah. So in that it kind of filters out some of the conspiracy BS for me. But. I do think there is also a long documented history of like people in Hollywood doing nasty stuff behind the scenes. Yes. And that also the nastiness of that also gets into hiring and casting choices. And and that in many ways has interfered with the money making on that level. To that point, I think. I think what we're seeing is that humans are horny as fuck, right? Right. That like, Mm -hmm. despite it being heterosexual, homosexual, whatever's in between, it's just a dude being like, I'm trying to see something and I'm going to make this, this, you know, I've got enough money to make this person with talent show me they're something for Mm -hmm. my benefit. So, mm-hmm. yes, the nastiness 100 percent exists. But is that rooted in like a, a want to undermine a community? Probably not. It's just a dude being a yucky person. It is. It is. And, and, and it's not to undermine a community, but it is in a way systemic. Mm-hmm. But it's systemic in in the same ways as systemic in government, in the same ways as systemic in like mega churches. Like, yes, wherever there's cults of personality, there's people using their position to take advantage of other people. And, you know, in the entertainment industry, there's just a long, nasty history of it. And I think that if you look at the occurrences of disgusting things there and and ways that people's lives have been ruined, it's easy to also conflate that with something, something along the lines of the the Hotep philosophies. Yeah. Where, you know, where you, you got to choose to go gay or else, and in some in some situations where there are some 
casting directors or some managers or some agents that are gay or omni or whatever, they do use their position to make sure that they have that sort of access to their clients and they put those clients in the best positions. Mm -hmm. But that's not like a contractual thing. No, <laughs> you know what I'm saying when you <laughs> right. get, when you when you ink a six picture deal where there's a clause, you know what I'm saying? It's not that thing. You didn't sign this in booty blood. This is just uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is just a thing that happened to come up. And so you decide whether or not you're going to continue and be a part of it or not. And that's right. OK in either yeah. direction. I, I will say my absolute favorite suggestion that I saw in one of these videos was there was one dude who claimed that the reason Chadwick Boseman died was because of his unwillingness to uh, continue his commitment wow. in the gay agenda that like Hollywood wow. had him murdered for wow. not wanting to uh, be gay again. Wow. Oh, uh, that reminds me. This is how I really uh, at one point I thought I made it because there was a a very old hotep on YouTube who made this whole video about how Comedy Central was making this show called The New Negro. <laughs> and it was, and it was, it was to emas further emasculate the black community. <laughs> oh, I thought, oh man, I thought we had arrived. Oh man. shit. I thought we had arrived. And that was the whole video? That. that was the whole video. Oh, that's fucking tight. He just, he, he saw an advertisement for our show and could not wait to hop in front of his computer. Whoa. And talk about how they were doing it again. Man. And so was the yeah. suggestion that y'all were were gay? What was that? What what part well, of I, his his wasn't gay. It was just about it, it would be more along the lines of the uh emasculation by like wearing a dress or like we were coons uh, or you know, we like that you were that direction for Comedy Central. Exactly. And and that we are somehow we were somehow tools sure. of Viacom trying to subjugate our own community. Wow. On behalf of them. That's wild. Did it you wild. <laughs> did you ever have a, a part of you that wanted to respond? Did you write under under the comments? Did you do anything? Oh man, but I, I, I showed Baron and and I wanted to show everybody. Like yeah. I wanted to like <laughs> really run with it on YouTube. But I also I think once I saw that, though, it also kind of gave me pause too. like mm -hmm. it, it was a situation that caused me to look at what I was doing from a different perspective quickly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, people could really think that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and so that was that was interesting, too, like to be inside of it and to know exactly what it is. Um, but then to also see something that makes me look at the title of our own show like, oh, oh, dang, like. I wonder if other people right. are going to think that, you know, well, that's that you're bringing up something really fascinating that that I think is sometimes hard to articulate. But but maybe this will be a great entrance is that I don't think there's a way to exist in Hollywood without being a coon at some point. Do you know what I mean? Like for somebody. It doesn't mean right. that you are, in fact, a quote unquote coon. It doesn't even mean that I think we have a an objective definition of what that actually is. But there's it almost is a certainty that somebody's going to be like, man, he's a sellout. He don't believe in black people. Look, he could have done it this way or that way. And it's like, nah, I got a show. And I put yeah. black people on. I don't understand. Like, at what point did this become, you know, uh detrimental to to my own community well you know i think i think the stark realization for me and for baron was um was the realization that the problem is you you don't get to have the conversation with everybody who yep. has those thoughts like they see a title they see an ad they may watch the show they may not ever watch the show but their thoughts are going to form based on the information they're presented and whatever kind of person they are already. And you don't get to explain to them mm -hmm. the power that we had, that we're executive producers, that we got to have, you know, as, as many black people as we could find to work on the show, to be on right. the show and everything that it meant to us to do it. And the ways we went about that, we don't get to actually open that part of it up for people. And so in some ways, like you're saying, you can't control what people take and run with because you don't yeah. get to, you don't get a chance to sit with them and tell them what really happened. 
A hundred percent. There's nothing you can do to convince me that that lady Flo from Progressive ain't an asshole. I think she, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to me, that is an asshole of a human being. She's a piece of shit. I'll never forgive her <laughs> for what she's done. But the reality is Flo's a real person who might have yeah. real say in the way that these ads are being shaped and like the mm-hmm. messaging and being able to creep, you know, add humor to a thing that otherwise might have been just a straight ad read. And that's right. an unfair judgment that's being placed on her much in the way that you guys are dealing with and so i apologize flo but fuck you at the same time (laughs) (laughs) all right we're gonna take one more break we'll be back with more open mic eagle and more my mama told me Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are back. kids on the street then you gotta do a rap to a hip-hop beat so i gave my sermon an urban kick my rhymes are fly my beats are sick my crew is big and it keeps getting bigger that's because jesus christ is my nigga yeah we're back here with more Whoa. open mic eagle more well, my no no me. no what was that what was that <laughs> Who is that? I don't know. It's just a man I saw on YouTube spitting bars open mic. Did he say it? Did he say it? Did he say it at the Oh my God. Of course he said it. He's not a he's not a coward. Jesus Christ is his nigga. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was genuinely meant to be like a tutorial. Uh, or like a thing to get young people involved in the church and oh okay boy did it go wrong but i've had fun with it i love dropping it wherever i can (sighs) that hurt hurt a little bit i thought the show was going real well now my feelings was hurt well it's only gonna get worse because now we're gonna play a game this is uh, i'm gonna play a game with you this is a very fun game that i like to call white White lies ugly you're disgusting i'm gonna kill you give me 200 dollars. white lies this is a fun game uh where i'm going to present to you a conspiracy theory mostly supported in the white community 
Mm-hmm. And what I would love for you to do is to really unpack it and figure out why you think white people are so invested in this conspiracy theory. Oh, this is going to be they... great. Yes, it's great. Tell me what these sneaky motherfuckers are up to. Do you know what I mean? Yes. All uh-huh. right. So the the conspiracy theory, I don't know how much you track uh, QAnon. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. a QAnon. Oh, no, head. I know all about QAnon. <laughs> okay, that beautiful. Shit is hilarious. <laughs> they're, they're some of the funniest people on the internet and they don't oh get enough credit God. for being hilarious. But oh. uh, one of the things that QAnon members have started to sort of believe and maintain and circulate is that JFK Jr. Oh, is yes. still alive and uh, for some reason is now a Trump supporter who mm-hmm. is going to be showing up at his rallies or events now that he no longer is president. My question for you, why do you think it's so important for these white people to believe that JFK Jr. is still alive? Oh, man, because they they really want to believe that the tables have turned to where, you know, a lot of these people probably used to be Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um and they really want to believe that the the left and the Democrats have become evil and they eat babies and they throw mm-hmm. children out a window. <laughs> um, they really want to believe that. And, and one of the things going to help them believe it is if somebody who they used to love, who was part of, you know, uh, uh, the last probably Democratic regime that they really mm, respected. Right. Somebody on that side sees it all clearly and is going right. to tell on everybody. And they're waiting like that's going to be their savior. That's what's going to make everything make sense for them in their head. It already exists. So that's what has made it make sense for them. But they need JFK Jr. to help (laughs) it make sense for all of us. That's what what they wait on. That's that's very astute. I had Mm -hmm. I okay. that makes a lot of sense to me. So it means that JFK Jr. is sort of like the last semblance of like a truth that they do believe about Democrats Mm -hmm. and about sort of like what Democrats used to represent. It's like how Republicans still bring up Abraham Lincoln as a way of like justifying all the evil that they've done since because it's like, nah, remember our boy freed the slaves. So, (laughs) so So we still good. We still, we still the good guys, no matter what. (laughs) No, it's, it's a little more complicated than that playboy. (laughs) Yeah, he freed the slaves, but I don't even know if he wanted to. And that's a different conversation. And that was many hundreds of years ago. Right. It wasn't (laughs) recent. It certainly wasn't. Stuff has happened since. Yeah. Yeah, but I love that. So they're sitting here going, if JFK Jr. is still alive, then he'll come back and he'll show the Democrats what's what and what they Mm should have been and what they could have been. I think we did it. I think we nailed the episode. What a great time. Nice. Uh, could you tell the people where, where they can find you on, on the Internet? Cool shit you got going on, whatever. Yeah, man. Uh, just put out the album, like you said, Anime Trauma Divorce, which is out everywhere. Uh, music is legal. I have a podcast network called Stony Island Audio, and there's a bunch of shows that we have on there that are mostly from the hip hop perspective. What else? Yeah, and hey, that's really it. And I'm always on Twitter, Mike underscore Eagle, letting people know all of the shit that I get up to and my weird thoughts about what's happening in the world. Fuck yeah. And uh, as always, you can follow me at Langston Kerman and follow, uh, you know, like and subscribe on the podcast. And if you have drop ideas or if you have conspiracy theories or art or whatever it is that you like to send, please send it to mymamapod at gmail.com. We would love to see your shit. And uh, yeah, this has been amazing. Open Mike Eagle, everybody. Okay, bye. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? 
Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.